you know, I, I don't know how long you have been practicing um, mindfulness. Um, so be, maybe you are a regular practitioner that do it every day. Maybe you wake up early in the morning and sit down, watch your breath. And um, what a boring thing to do, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe every Saturday you come here and just it's guided and you always do that. Maybe Mondays and I know there are some people that who just follow around Bhante Sujata and participate all the activities that he does and so so I think it's it's important to understand the the purpose of the practice, mindfulness, uh, the word sati, um, Pali word, which is mindfulness. So, do you think we have a purpose? What's your purpose? To be happy? To find some level of inner peace. Contentment, happiness. Freedom from the, the thoughts and the <laughs> Yeah. I think the uh, definition that about happiness or contentment, it's, it's like too general because it's not an exact answer that when you say, I practice mindfulness, I meditate because that makes me happy. What is happiness then? It's, it's really hard to define happiness. There is no a perfect answer for that, you can, there is no answer like 2 plus 2, 4. There is no answer, this is happiness. So it's, we, each one define in many different ways. So, now, when we practice mindfulness, sati, how that makes us happy? But s somebody that who new to this practice wouldn't understand the the practice takes you beyond the material happiness. So it's called the word upeka, which is the um, equanimity. It's it's something that we drop our happiness un and unhappiness. And so that's a, a state that the practice leads us to. So you are observe things with the equanimity, with that knowledge. So with the with the word sati, with the mindfulness, there is something that we have to understand. There are two words that I want to talk about uh, to explain you today. The first one is sati sampajanya, which means the sati, the mindfulness, is not just about watching your breath. So if you just watch your breath 100 years, it doesn't make any difference. It's there all the time. And so you sit 30-15 minutes and observe your breath. It doesn't make any difference. So the sati sampajanya is that we have to when, when you go 
deep into practice, you have to gain the knowledge, wisdom about the natural phenomena about the world. So this is the purpose of our practice. And so the, there is another word is called Yoniso Manasikara. So when you observe, when you focus on your breath, it's not just watching your breath. There are more to it. So when we go deep in the practice, it leads us to the state which I explained before, opeka, equanimity, ultimately. Uh, it's supposed to. Um, so that's the real deal here. To, to, to train our mind to go to that point, up, to train our mind up to that point. Now, we have a physical body and then we have the outer world. Now, this is all we have to understand in order to be happy or be, uh, to gain uh, equanimity. This is the heart of the Buddhist teachings, his explanation. And this guy sat down under a tree and he was watching his breath and he came to this great knowledge. There is this, there is a nature, a natural phenomena that's going on with my physical body and the outer world. And there is something that's going on between these, my senses and objects. And when that happens, there is a part that illusion makes these things for us real. Okay, for example, when you see something, a beautiful object, maybe a flower, maybe, I don't know what you see, beautiful, yeah, that's <laughs> a car. I like cars. So, um, so when you see a car, when you see a flower, when you see something, you know, whatever. And so you see that, and there is a, a natural thing happen between my physical body and the object. Otherwise, there is no connection. And so when we see that, and when we see that, the brain or the, this natural, whatever that, uh, the sequence, you know, the, uh, the process, it makes us a reality that, oh, this is beautiful. And, okay, there is something that you, um, what they call it, repulse, that you don't like. So that creates us a reality, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that person. I don't like that car. It's, a, it's not a nice color. It's not a my thing. And so when you see things that you like, it's create a reality for you that, oh, this is nice, this is beautiful. I want it. And so from there, we start to make our story. And so you see things like 
think about maybe it's not just seeing things maybe you you hear things people might explain you about maybe you think about a, a a store that has exotic things and you're like wow and guess what next week you're gonna stop by and you ended up buying stuff so this is just a reality that our physical body our senses creates us just um, with the um, connection to the object or the outer world so Siddhartha sat down under a tree and he's observing because he went to a lot of teachers and they all said that you you can observe your breath and you can use this object or the meditation object and you can come to this state and you are like just floating and that's all you need that's the ultimate happiness and so Siddhartha tried it and it didn't make sense to him and he said no there could be more than to it and so he separated from everything every people and then he sat down under this tree and he realized okay there is something that I have to figure out here because whatever that process going through that works here it's not belongs to me so you see things and you make a story and then you buy or you live with it and you maybe it's a fantasy or the it's the um, what's uh, what's uh, what's reality we call it uh, virtual reality you know and so like when you fall in love these um, uh, um, <coughs> actors and actresses you know when they do stupid things that's all they do uh, <laughs> you get mad there is no connection but this is something that uh, these things that the reality these things make us so that he will sit down under a tree and he figure out I'm trying to attach to something that doesn't belong to me so this 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 process is just something going on with ourselves forever. Till the day we born, till we die, from the day we born, till we die, this is what exactly happening. So we don't see it because my illusion, my delusion, the Pali word avijja, is so strong. So what mindfulness does is when you start to make that a story, it helps you to doubt the story. <coughs> and so you don't make up more stories, then you don't, you don't end up with a lot more complications that you, more than you have right now. So then you can understand there is really nothing that to be happy or be unhappy about things because everything 
subject to change everything subject to act the way it's supposed to and what we all have been doing this whole all years is that we've been trying to control something that doesn't belong to us <coughs> because everything has a on its nature and so when we try to control that when we if we can we are happy but if we cannot make it change make the change that you want that that makes us unhappy so buddha says well drop the both sides you don't want to make a change then you are not happy or unhappy you just see the way it is as it is yatha bhuta there is a way things happening arise and there is a way that it passes away to see that phenomena this natural process you need the mindfulness so mindfulness of course leads to samadhi which is uh that's where we need the wisdom to see this everything so if anybody wondering that i've been doing this practice 6 years and i'm still trying to you know catch my breath sometimes it's really difficult i mean the purpose of this practice is to it would ultimately leads you to see this reality so buddha didn't call that happiness to see hap- to find the happiness see that's th- th- that's the problem because when you read books about buddhism maybe a lot of people learn about buddhism online and so a lot of books you say that about happiness it's a too general explanation explanation about buddhist teachings people think that oh this is going to give you happiness okay the first day you come here and 30 minutes you sit down <laughs> you are not used to this posture and you are not used to keep your eyes closed by the way don't um, post this on the facebook <laughs> i forgot about this so uh, it's not easy thing to do so what i'm saying is that this is not about gaining a happiness that you already have in your mind that we are bombarded with these material ideas world about the, about the world that having this type of situation in my life going on going to make me happy so the meditation people think going to give me that whatever it is you know what if you want to stop today doing meditation that's fine but it's not going to give you that but it will lead you to a huge very wide understanding about you and the world how this phenomena works so this is the purpose of our practice so that's why we practice mindfulness so supposedly it's it's uh well i mean it's supposed to 
leads us to um, the wisdom to see it. So when you do this, this is not just sitting there, you are analyzing, this is, it's, you are gaining analytical knowledge about the, all this um, nature, how this works, and you realize when you see things, there are more to it. It's like watching a movie. You know, when you watch a movie, right? I like romantic movies. I don't know how about you. You know, I sometimes, I cry. So there are episodes, you know, things that going on. But something that we don't realize is that there is a sequence on a, in a movie. But we don't realize that how many little tiny, tiny particles that it made out of. There are a lot of tiny, tiny episodes that they took separately and they put together, make a movie, here we go, that's evolution. And so you go there and you cry about this whole thing. I do that too. And when you, uh, wa when you see a picture, I'll think about on the computer and you can just zoom it in. And then like when you zoom it in, like, I don't know how many times when you do that, and you will realize that it's made out of a lot, tiny, tiny, it's, it's pixelated. And when you see a soundtrack, when you listen to music, so there are, you know, we don't see that break that it has, but we just hear it as a nice music track. But there are a lot of things going on and that thing. So this whole thing about understanding that, so just to grasp it right away when you make that story and just drop that storyline. So, so you are not happy, you are not unhappy. You just know. You just see things as it is. So that's why we practice mindfulness. So if you have any questions, ideas, Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, in making choices, as the moments click on, you know, click on, and we're in this life, and we're making, we do, we do make choices. We have choices to make. So, is the guidance <coughs> about which choice to make not based on happiness or unhappiness, but based on <coughs> service or? Do you know what I mean? I don't. Like, how, what would you, what would the Buddhist invite, uh, message be about how to live your life or how to make choices based on what? Because generally we think, well, we're going to base them on happiness. Right? Yep. So if it's not, if that's not something that, that would be maybe taking us in the wrong direction if we just... Yeah, well, I think you can still make choices and you can have, so this is not saying that you cannot have everything or you cannot have what you want to have. Of course you can have, but the thing is, when you have things, we have to be mindful because whatever that you have, 
That's not belongs to you, even though you say so. So it has a own nature to it. So when it breaks, are you ready to let it go? Or are you going to fix it with um, crazy glue? Like our bodies. Exactly. It's just like your body. Just think about your body. I mean, it's even it's not belongs to you. It just has its own way of, you know, a process that happens with it. situation that I'm in. Can you talk a little bit about what's actually being in equanimity? I mean, what is actually, um, when I sit, it feels like there's subtle things that feel like it's being equanimous at a particular moment in time with something that's being impermanent. But what, what is that? You talked a little bit about it, that it's just a process, a natural process that's going on. Because what I'm catching is, is it seems like it can be a trap. You know, I think that I'm being in equanimity with it, but it's just another Seth, you know, identity that thinks that it's being <laughs> in equanimity, when in fact it's not even close to being in equanimity with anything. So it's like, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that's, that's what happens when we try to understand things words, because a word creates us a concept, and so we think, well, then we believe that concept. So that's, so the, what equanimity is that, um, so in Pali, sukhasajapahana, dukkasajapahana. So you liberate yourself from two extremes that when we have happy moments in our lives, that we tend to enjoy it extremely, party time, drink, you know, Whatever that you do, glory. And so we go to, ex to that extreme. And on the other hand, when we have, when bad things happen, when people lose, when we lose things, when, when we lose our strength or whatever, that we cry and we just unhappy and we just like, you know, in a, Maybe you just go into a room and don't want to come out, don't want to eat lunch, and whatever that you do. And you get depressed, stressful about it. And so there are a lot of things that we do. So we go to that total extreme. So the equanimity is just 
it gives you an opportunity to just to see how everything works, happy or unhappy things, because everything subject to change, whether it's happiness or unhappiness. So this is not going to be forever. So it's going to change. And so to see that, and when you see that, okay, then I, well, if you have a hard time, you just deal with it and you're not trying to change it. When you try to so hard to change it, that's where the problem comes in. Because when you, if you can change it, so great. But if you cannot change it, not understanding that there are things that change, then you get stressed out about it. So equanimity is not going to that both extremes, just seeing it as it is. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. I think it sounded to me like he was asking when he is, is sitting, he seems to think that he is getting a feeling of Isn't that what you were saying? You were getting a feeling when you were um, Well, as, as you answered the question, it felt like being in equanimity with not being in equanimity <laughs> is, is a place I can go. And just being aware of that. Okay. I just always think of it as a point of balance, you know, as coming back to the breath is that balancing point. And so if you get carried off with past or future, then that, that you're off balance. Then you're, you know, if you get carried off in either direction, then you're not with reality anymore. You're not in the present moment. So, and it's not really about happiness or unhappiness. It's about being carried off with those delusions about the stories that you make up in your head, they're no longer at that bouncing point or the present moment. Oh, whatever it is that, that it's not going to make you cool, you know, we like to be cool. <laughs> so that equanimity is not, it's not something that, something like that. There is, n no, it just, you just see things. Yeah, there is no cool factor there. <laughs> Just, you know. I think the equanimity is, is observing yourself that you want to be cool. In other words, you're, you're in a position where you're, you're observing yourself and, 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 you're, and you're getting to know yourself better. And, and that's kind of equanimity to me. This is a place where you're, you're seeing yourself and how you are and what you want, you know. Which is what we do in meditation. We observe ourselves, you know. Self-observing self. What? A place? Yeah, it's a position where part of you is looking at yourself. And so, uh, This is all about just changing the attitude that already exists. What we are inherited with is when we have bad things, we go to that extreme. When we have good stuff that we go to that extreme. Just coming out of from that extremes, just, we just have to install this new software, Equanimity. This is not an easy thing. In terms of computer stuff, you know, it's just installing that the new version. 2. What? 2.0. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually heard, I think it was on NPR, and, and sometime in the last few weeks talking about the idea that you, a lot of where you're, where you're headed is adjusting your neural default, right? Like you're, you're, the way you're built and the way you're conditioned is to, if I don't have anything engaging right now, then my brain has to take off and I have to think about things and I have to do this and I have to do that. And where meditation takes you is the idea that your, your new neural default, where you're going is that awareness, just observing the continual flow of experience is where your mind settles and that that's where you get that sense of peace and the ability to let go and that's really what you're from a you know neurological sense that's kind of what you're doing at the nuts and bolts level you're training your brain you're re just over and over again like you said you know when that thought comes you just say oh that's thought now let's go back to the breath and just readjusting so that over time then when you're out living your life you don't put that thought construct over everything, you just have the experience and, and you go on. Remolding your brain is exactly. That's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, because you know those goods and bads that happens in our life is su it's, it's subjective because one time I remember I went to see a movie and um, with a friend and I enjoyed the movie and apparently she didn't all the time she was complaining, man, I thought I never going to watch a movie with this <laughs> friend. Because like after five, five hours, she all had to go back and all the episodes she was complaining about. Well, I enjoyed it. So it's subjective to person to person. So you, you know, just when, when happened those things, that being able to let go, okay, well, it's a bad movie. I didn't like it. Okay, it's not the end of the world. Just move on. <laughs> you are just wasting five hours complaining about things. I didn't enjoy those two hours. Exactly. So the next five hours talking about it. Go to Netflix and find a new movie. <laughs> I don't know. So it's something, you know, just, uh, it's really hard. I think I, I see this uh, struggle with, I mean, Westerners struggle with this idea. Noam, did you have a... When someone tells us that we've done something well, it often makes us feel happy. When someone tells us that we've done something poorly, it often makes us feel ashamed or sometimes we get angry or defensive. Is, is equanimity not letting someone else's words change or shape your emotions to the positive or the negative, but perhaps just accepting the truth in what they say, that either you do something well or you do not? But then not letting it drive your emotions or not letting it affect you one way or the other, good or bad. Is that, a, is that part of equanimity? I don't understand that it's not good or it's not bad, they're just saying something to you. Yeah. I mean, they, they said something and okay. I mean, it's, it's really hard because that, this is how we are wired. You know, if somebody said something offensive, we have to say something. That's how we feel. We feel like that's not unfair. So dropping that attitude, come to, well, whatever. You can say whatever you want. But if I'm strong enough, I don't let it come into me and I don't want to live with it. 
So it's always protecting yourself. So by just making this comment, I'm going to stop. So thank you very much. Just, you know, um, be mindful. That's all. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs>